Ah, good morning. Good to see all of your wonderful faces this morning and good to have you joining us from your homes this morning as well. Joshua chapter 8 this morning. As we continue our series in the book of Joshua, today we are talking about turning defeat into victory. God wants his people to live in victory. And yet last week we saw in Joshua chapter 7 that the people of God suffered really bad defeat because of their prayerlessness, their presumption, and their pride. They went to Ai and they were defeated. And it's a reminder to us as God's people because remember, God has a personal plan for each of us, but God also has a corporate plan for his people. And one of the things then that we're reminded of is that we suffer loss together as God's people, but we also enjoy victory together. But whatever we do, we do it together. We're tied together. And so the people of God had suffered a great defeat, but God didn't want to leave them there. God never wants us to be left in defeat. That's never God's plan for his people. That's not what God wants to define our lives as his people is defeat. He wants us to learn to live in victory. He wants us to learn to turn defeat and failure into victory. And today we're going to learn how to do that. We're going to learn the lessons of how to live in victory. You see, in chapter 8, beginning at verse 1, we see the first sort of step in learning to live in victory, and that is to embrace the encouragement of God. Notice that after this great defeat, that God comes to Joshua and speaks to him. So there we are reminded of how we need to be open to the Word of God and to God's voice and God speaking into our life. And here comes God after that great defeat and He speaks to Joshua and He said, Joshua, do not be afraid and do not panic. How often God has to say to His people, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know, when we suffer defeat and when we suffer failure, it can cause fear in us, even apprehension about the future. Will we ever see victory again? And I'm sure that's where Joshua and the people of God were at. God did not want them to be dismayed or discouraged, which is what the word panic really means in the Hebrew language. He wants them to remain calm and composed. He does not want them to, to see the defeated AI as the way everything's going to end. You see, as we've said before through our series in Joshua, God will never allow an unconquered stronghold to exist in his people's lives. He will always bring us back around and, and, and want us to overcome that. 
want us to live in victory over that, to, to not allow that to be what defines us, but he alone is what defines us. And so that's exactly what God is doing. He's going to give his people a second chance and a second shot at AI. God does the same thing with us. Aren't you glad he's the God of second chances? That when we fail once, we don't stay there. God says, all right, let's learn from it. Let's grow from it. And let's, let's get back and make a run at it again. And that's what God's doing here. You and I need to make sure then that we are open to the God of encouragement. Paul talks about our God that way in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all comfort, all comfort, who comforts us in all of our trials and tribulations. By the way, that word comfort in the Greek language is the word paraklesos. It means literally one who comes alongside of us to strengthen and encourage us from being very close. Think of God that way. He literally is that person who comes into our life when we failed or when we've been defeated and he literally like puts his arm around us and he says, Jeff, come on, let's give it another go. You can beat this, Jeff, through me. And God wants his people to learn to be open to his encouragement. He's not just the God... He's the God of all encouragement. And he is always there, ready to come alongside of us from being right there in order to speak into our lives and strengthen us and encourage us. And that's where it's got to start. Because you and I then have to begin to believe through what God is saying to us that whatever has defeated us or whatever we failed in we can make another go of it and we can overcome it. So, first, we've got to be open to the encouragement of God and embrace the encouragement of God. Second, we need to embrace the plan of God of how to defeat or overcome whatever has defeated us or whatever we failed in. Because God, our God, will always have a plan for victory. You realize that, right? God always has a plan of victory for his people. He's never without a plan. You and I might not know how to defeat that. We may not know how to overcome that failure, but God always does. He never lacks a plan. So God comes to Joshua. And after encouraging him, Joshua says, now I want you to take the whole army with you, verse 1, chapter 8. Not the two or 3,000 that you guys cooked up the last time. That's why you failed. You failed to consult me. You failed to pray about it. You, you underestimated the strength of your enemy and you overestimated your own strength and you got defeated. Take the whole army. And then if you read the chapter, you realize that the plan that God has to defeat AI is very different from the plan of how they defeated Jericho. 
See, Jericho was just, you're going to walk around once every day for six days, and then on the seventh day, you're going to walk around seven times, and each day, the, the priests are going to blow the ram's horns, and on the seventh day, after the seventh time around, you shout, and the walls are going to come down. That, that was that plan. But now, God actually has a military plan to defeat Ai. It's a brilliant plan. He says, look, here's what happened the last time. You guys got up to AI and they started to come out after you and your hearts just melted because I wasn't with you and you retreated and you fell back and you were defeated. So here's what I want you to do, Joshua. I want you to divide your army into two groups. I want you to send one part of your army to the back of the city and I want them to hide there and then I want you to bring the other part of your army right up to the gate so that the king of AI and the military leaders see that you're there and as they begin to come out at you you retreat you fall back and you keep falling back until all of their warriors are outside the city then as soon as all their warriors are outside the city, you give a signal to the part of your army that's behind the city, and they're going to come in, and they're going to start taking over the city. And then once the people of Ai realize that their city's being overrun by a part of an army that they didn't even realize, then they're going to start to go back. And then both of your armies are going to, basically in a pincher movement, you're going to just crush them right there. What do we learn then about God, a God who always has a plan? Well, one of the things we learn then is that God is a God of infinite variety. And God doesn't have the same plan all the time. Because God doesn't want his people to get complacent and comfortable and, well, this is the way we did it the last time, so this is going to be the path to victory this time no god wants to make sure that his people are always in tune with him and getting our cues and our clues and our plan for victory from him he wants us to always be dependent and reliant on him so he will change up the plan because he wants us to walk with him more than anything else and be open so you and i can't just apply the same plan and think somehow we're going to be victorious every time because that might not be the path of victory. And we've got to learn to embrace not only the encouragement of God, but the plan of God and know that God will always have a plan for victory for his people. In fact, later on in the passage, Joshua, as he's communicating this plan to the people of God, says, do as the Lord says. That's always the smart, wise thing to do if you and I are going to achieve victory in our life. It's just do what God is telling us to do. So we see here, that even though they suffered defeat the first time, God brings them back around, gives them a second chance, and says, let's run at it again. And in order to do that, the people of God, starting with Joshua and all of the leaders, had to be 
willing to embrace the encouragement of God. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you suffered some defeat or failure in your life. God wants to encourage you today with the same words he encouraged Joshua and the people with. Don't be afraid and don't panic. I've got you. I've got this. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Don't allow that defeat or failure to define you. As we said last week, get back up and let's go at it again. But you and I also then need to go past the encouragement and get to the plan. And look to God for whatever plan it is for victory for us. And then after that, we need to embrace the promises of God. Embrace the encouragement of God, the plan of God, and the promises of God. Because right there again in verse 1, God promises Joshua, I'm going to hand Ai over to you. It was a promise from God. He didn't make that promise the first time because they didn't consult him. They didn't ask him what his plan was. It was like they were totally working independently of God. They were on their own, and that's why they suffered defeat. But this time, they're like, okay, God, we're not going to make the same mistake twice. What do you have for us? And in that, they open themselves up, not only the encouragement of God and the plan of God, but the promises of God. And you and I, if we're going to have victory in our life and live in victory, we need to be open to the encouragement of God, the plan of God, and embrace the promises of God. God gives us magnificent and precious promises. That's what Peter said. And we need to make sure that we are filling our hearts and our minds with the promises of God and that we're living on those promises. Promises that cannot fail because God made them and God cannot lie. In fact, for those of you that are sort of following along in, in Joshua, if you turn all the way over to Joshua chapter 21, verse 45, almost to the end of the book, Joshua is sharing with the people of God here that every one of God's promises were realized. That not one of the promises that God made to Israel was left unfulfilled. Joshua 21, 45. And then if you go over to Joshua 23, verse 14. Joshua is about ready to die. So these are like the last few words that he shares with Israel, right? And he says the same thing again in Joshua 23, 14. He says, you realize, folks, that not one of God's promises were left unfulfilled. Every last one of them was realized. God can be counted on. God is faithful and true to his word. And that's why God not only wants us to embrace his encouragement and embrace his plan, but embrace his promises because they're rock solid. And if God told Joshua, 
I'm getting ready to hand this city over to you, then we can believe it because God said it. The, there's no issue about whether AI is going to fall or not because God said, I'm going to give it to you. And God has told his people today so many things that he's already done for us. Let me just remind us of a few today. First of all, speaking about living in victory and being an overcomer, Paul told us in the book of Romans as God's people, for any of us here today and any of you who are watching who've already placed your faith in Jesus Christ, Paul's already told us that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that sin and death and hell and all these things have already been defeated in Jesus Christ and through our faith in him. We already have victory over it all. The question isn't, do we have victory? The question is, are we living in the victory that we already have in Jesus? That's his promise to us. So are we embracing the promises of God? You see. Well, let's move on in the story. If you go back to Joshua chapter 8, some of the keys to victory is not only embracing the encouragement of God and embracing the plan of God and embracing the promises of God, it's trusting God to bless us when we follow Him. Early on in the chapter, God says, I'm going to allow you when you defeat AI, to take the plunder, to take the spoils. Now remember, in Jericho, that wasn't God's plan. God wanted to teach his people, I get the first fruits. And so he told the people in Jericho, everything that's inside that city, except Rahab and her family, it's mine. And it needs to be devoted and dedicated to my treasury. And what's so sad is there's Achan who has to take it, right? He's captivated by the, the things of the world. And he doesn't realize that if he would have just waited, God was going to give them the spoils and plunder of Ai. Because God wants to bless his people. But God has sort of an order for it. He wants to see that the heart of his people is toward him first. And that we as God's people are willing to give him first fruits and then trust him to bless us. And listen, we will never outgive God. We can never bless others more than God blesses his people and more than he desires to bless his people. We just need to trust him and learn to trust him. Paul says to the Philippians in Philippians 4.19, My God will always supply your need and riches according to Christ Jesus. Always. He will always supply our need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Always. And so... Here's God saying, it's yours. 
One of the things that we do to circumvent the blessing of God on, in our lives is we're not willing to wait. Just like Achan. I got I to get it now. And we sort of, you know, try to finagle and all of that. And we go out there and we take something and God's like, ah, oh, if you'd have just waited, it would have been so much better and I'd have blessed you even so much more, but you weren't willing to trust me and now you've circum circumvented and short-circuited the blessing that I had for you. And so you and I need to remember that as we're living in victory and following the Lord, the Lord will bless us. But he will do it his way and in his time. And we just need to trust that he will do it. Because he said he would. And remember, none of his promises will ever fail us. So God is saying, here's how you turn defeat into victory. You embrace my encouragement. You embrace my plan. You embrace my promises. And you trust me to bless you when you follow me. When you follow me. And then if you move through the chapter, you come to this very interesting exchange between the Lord and Joshua in verse 18. God tells Joshua, now Joshua, when you actually get to the battle itself, where the fighting is going on, he says, I want you to hold out or stretch out literally the battle spear in your hand. And I want you to hold it out and stretch it out and keep it there until the enemy has been completely defeated and annihilated. Only then can you let that spear down. And we even learn later on in the chapter, Joshua, you know, God must be giving Joshua that strength to just keep that spear up there as long as he needs to. It sort of reminds you of the, when Moses' arms were lifted up that Moses even needed help to keep his arms up. What is God doing here in this moment? Well, first of all, I want to compare it to something that God did with Moses. God comes to Joshua and says, Joshua, you're the military leader of my people. You have this battle spear in your hand. Stretch it out. And you and I remember the story of Moses. God comes to Moses and says, Moses, what's that in your hand? Moses said, it's a staff. It's a rod. God said, yeah, but that's not going to be just any rod or staff anymore. That's going to become the rod of God. And I'm going to infuse that basically piece of wood with my power. So that when you stretch that out, the Red Sea is going to part. And God is doing the same thing here with Joshua's battle spear. Listen, it's not that there's anything special about the rod that Moses held any more than there's anything special about the battle spear that Joshua was holding. It's just an object, right? But God was using it as a symbol of what his power was in because God wants his people to understand and begin to appropriate his power greater power over anything 
that is against us. It's not the rod, it's not the spear, it's God's power. Because God doesn't want his people to think it's us who have the power over anything. It's him. And, and when he has infused us or something with his power, it cannot stand against God. Because God always has the greater power. And so here, beginning in verse 18 of Joshua chapter 8, God is also then teaching his people, besides embracing my encouragement and my plan and my promises and trusting me to bless you, I need you to learn to appropriate the greater power that you have as my people. God may not come to us today and say, what's that in your hand, Jeff? But each of us, again, who are here today and watching, who've expressed faith and responded in faith to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, you have God's power. That's why Paul could say to the Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul wasn't being proud. Paul, Paul was simply stating a fact. Because he had told the Ephesians earlier, do you not know that each of you as the child of God through faith in Christ have his resurrection power pulsating inside of you every day? That's why John could write to his audience, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Greater. God wants his people to always understand you have greater power in and through me than whatever has already defeated you or caused you failure. Because whatever it is that has defeated you, if it was AI, God says, you realize AI is nothing compared to me. I have the greater power. And God wants his people to begin to appropriate that greater power that we have. Again, God's already promised us that we have the same power inside of us through the presence of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Then why are there so many defeated Christians? Why are there so many Christians who are living in defeat? Because we're not appropriating every day the greater power of God who lives within us. And God wants us to learn to do that every day. So that nothing can stand in our way or ultimately define or defeat us. Only God defines us. And that's what the spear was. Joshua is holding, stretching out that spear, saying, God, we are trusting in your power. And God is saying to his people today, do you trust me? Do you trust my greater power? Are you appropriating it in your life? Two other things enable us to live in victory as God's people. When you come down to chapter 8, beginning in verse 30, after the victory, God's people are immersed in the worship of God. Immersed 
in the worship of God. The very first thing that Joshua and the people of Israel do after the great victory God gave them at Ai was say, we got to worship God. And so he leads the people, listen, on a 15-mile hike up into the mountains where they assemble at Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. Now let's also remember, this is well over a million people that is making this 15-mile hike up into the mountains. Nothing convenient about that, is there? How'd you like to get over a million Christians a day to try to hike some 15 miles into the mountain to worship God? In fact, it's pretty sad today that in the church today, and I mean general church, we feel like we have to make everything so convenient for everybody because if we don't, you know, if we don't attract them with this and and put this on and and do this, that we can't get people to come to church anymore to worship God. Whenever the person of God himself should be motivation and inspiration enough for the people of God to get up out of their place and to come and even inconveniently at times worship him because he's worthy of our worship. And that's exactly what was happening here. They go up into the mountains and over a million, can you imagine being part of that worship service? Over a million people are worshiping God. Because the very first thing that Joshua does when he gets up to Mount Ebal is he builds an altar. A place of worship and sacrifice to the Lord. And one of the things that I want you to see is before you get to verse 34, you'll notice, I think it's in verse 33, that the leadership and all the people of Israel literally are surrounding the Ark of the Covenant. The symbol of God's presence amongst his people. So what do we learn there about worship? That God is central to it. That's what we learn. That God is central and needs to be always central to our worship. Because that's what it's about. It's about God. So often we make worship about the songs we sing and the style of music and, and this and that. And it's like, we, we're for, and, and then, you know, the, the, the skill and all of this. And it's like, Where's God in all this? God is lost. And that's why I love our worship here at the Oasis. Not that it's not beautiful, not that it's not skillful, not that it's not good, but through Nicole and the other people on our worship team, and even the fellows and gals back there that make it all sound good and show up good and all of that, that it's always about God. And that's what it needs to be about. God can get lost in our worship if we're not careful. I mean, that's 
sort of crazy to say, right? We're worshiping God, and yet somehow God gets lost. But it seems like in so many churches and in so many people's lives that he does, because we make it about everything else but him. No. When we're immersed in true worship, God will always be center of everything that we do. And that's exactly what you see on Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And you know, if you come to the oasis, that the worship of God is one of the two things that you're going to get every time you come on Sunday and Wednesday. It's, it's going to be about the worship of God, and then it's going to be about what else? The Word of God. So look at verse 34 and 35. The final step that enables us to victory is not only immersing ourselves in the worship of God, it's immersing ourselves in the Word of God. Because what does Joshua do when he's there? He begins to read the Word of God to the people of God. See, that's what God's people should be focused on. You even see that in the Old Testament. It's not some great big secret why when people ask me, why are, are you at the Oasis all about the worship and the word and them complimenting each other instead of competing with each other? Because that's the way the Bible tells me to do it. The word and worship complement each other. The more I learn to worship God, the more I want to be in his word to find out more about him and to grow in my understanding and comprehension and knowledge of Him, and the more I'm in the Word growing in who God is, the more I want to worship Him. It's cyclical. They just feed off each other. And that's exactly what was happening on Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. There was the worship of God, and there were the people immersing themselves in the Word of God. God was showing his people in Joshua chapter 8. Folks, you can turn your defeats into victories. Because I don't want my people to be defined by defeat. I want my people to learn to live in victory and to be victorious. And even when you fail or even when we suffer defeat, don't stay down. Get back up and embrace the encouragement of God. Let God encourage you today. And then embrace His plan, embrace His promises, trust Him to bless as you follow Him. Appropriate the greater power of God and immerse yourself in the worship of, and word of God. And I guarantee you this, you'll be victorious. Because God has told each and every one of us, you are more than conquerors through him who loved you. More than conquerors through him who loved you. Would you stand with me and let's pray. God, I pray today that we have been encouraged and strengthened by you. 
allowing you, God, to come alongside of us and to encourage and strengthen us as only you can. And God, I just pray today that we would trust you for the victories. And that we would also, Lord, be open that when we do fail and when we do suffer defeat, to get back up and to make another run at it. We suffer defeat together, but we also enjoy victory together. And so, God, I pray today that we will learn to live in the victory that we have through our Lord Jesus Christ. Every enemy, God, that we'll ever face has already been defeated through the blood of Jesus Christ and our faith in him. So, God, may we trust in that victory and may we live in that victory each and every day. Lord, these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.